It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today's Into the Corner Office CEO guest, George Green, President and COO at Water Mission, tragically lost his mother, Molly Green, after the recording of this podcast. We'd like to dedicate this episode to Molly and honor the impact she's made since co-founding Water Mission with her husband, George, back in 2001. Molly has helped to bring clean and safe water to more than 4 million people around the world during the last 20 years. We're so thankful to the Green family for this opportunity to share just a small part of her story and listen to hear more about what Water Mission's doing under George Green, the Forest Leadership. My guest today is George Green. George is President and Chief Operating Officer for Water Mission based in Charleston, South Carolina. Water Mission is a nonprofit Christian engineering ministry providing sustainable safe water solutions through a Christian worldview perspective to people in developing countries and during national disasters. George has a Bachelor of Science in Chemical Engineering from Clemson University and started this company when his parents decided to get out of the for-profit world and establish Water Mission as a nonprofit. George Green, welcome into the corner office. Brent, thank you for having me. Looking forward oh, to wonderful. spending the time with you. Absolutely. Wonderful to have you here and get a chance to chat a little bit about uh, what the Water Mission does and, and uh, you know, hear a little bit about what brought you there, because it's really been kind of a lifelong journey. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Uh, we're both members of the C12 group. And although we didn't meet in Atlanta, I got a chance to see the video of your presentation and it was just awesome. And I'm really looking forward to talking, particularly about some of the company culture things. But we'll get to that in a few minutes. What I'd like to start with is, you know, tell us a little bit about your early years, you know, where you grew up and, you know, what your early family life was like. Yeah, I've, uh, I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, we moved uh, to Charleston when I was four years old mm. and it was an intentional move by my parents. My dad had a, a promising career in uh, Exxon research and design and and he and my mother were both uh, um, uh, trying to be intentional about how they raised mm. their kids and and there, uh, um, the career path that he was on would have had him going all over the world and, and not having a family that was rooted in any one location. And uh, both my parents are from the South and, and wanting to raise their kids in the South as well. And, nice. and so uh, um, they decided to step out in faith and, and uh, ended up starting a, 
um, small environmental laboratory in Charleston yeah. and moved our family here. And that was kind of the beginning of our, our, uh, our story. So, but and dad, uh, dad's an engineer, as I recall, and, and mom is as well. What, what's her background? I actually know, um, the, the, the comment, uh, opposites attract is, uh, is, <laughs> is definitely applicable with my parents. My dad is a PhD, uh, chemical engineer right, and right. my mother has a master's in Spanish. So, oh my God! Uh, so yeah. yeah, they. Uh, it was actually it was quite uh, quite funny. They ended up being quite a uh, dynamic tag team with um, kind of the the technical and engineering side of things, and my mom on the human resources uh, side of things, keeping people from quitting. So there you uh, go. So they started the company together. Uh, they well originally it was my dad, but um, yeah. you know when the, what he started. Um, with the environment, with the environmental business, um, the timing came. It was just you know God's hand with yeah. um, seeing exponential growth from the very start, and and very early on, he um, told my mother he needed her help and brought awesome. her into the business as well. That's so, great. Any and that, brothers and sisters, George? <laughs> Um, so I have an older sister and yeah. she, uh, we, um, still are here in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. I have a younger brother and, uh, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, when he was two, I was six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a fairly tragic, uh, accident with, mm-hmm. um, with him, with his passing, um, oh, that, uh, was, um, uh, you know, f- uh, very fortunate with uh, with my family, very strong in uh, in, in their faith, and uh, and I think that you can point back to you can see a lot of families that can get yeah. torn apart when something like that happens. Um, ours grew closer together, yeah. um, awesome. but uh, but that's from being firmly rooted in our faith, and um, yeah, and so from the earliest years, I can't uh, remember a time where. Um, I wasn't immersed in uh, Christian ministry and nice. in the church, um, and a lot of that obviously has to do with uh, with with parents and upbringing. Yeah. When did you come to Christ, and, and what role did He play in your upbringing? Yeah, well, um, so I was uh, I was trying to think back on the uh, the the actual age. I think I was eleven mm-hmm. or twelve. Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting. But you interesting. grew up in the church, right? You did I, Sunday school and church. I and did. So um, Mom so and dad were active. So yeah. I grew up in the Episcopal church. And yeah. uh, um, and having said that, you know, I think, um, and now looking back and, and involved in ministry full-time, I've gotten to experience pretty much every denomination. <laughs> and uh, and growing up in the Episcopal church, you're, you definitely are um, surrounded by uh, liturgy. Um, right, but, right. uh, but I don't ever remember there ever being an altar call. <laughs> oh, and, uh, and so interestingly enough, yeah, growing up in the Episcopal church, which now is actually Anglican, we've had a split, uh, but, um, yeah, yeah. uh, um, where I first kind of, um, connected the dots on, uh, um, inviting, uh, um, Christ to be my Lord and savior was actually going to a movie that I think was put out mm-hmm. by, um, the Billy Graham Evangelical Association and, uh, where it had a, a kind of a clear presentation and articulation of what salvation meant. And, uh, um, so that was, uh, um, from my, uh, from my memories, even growing yeah. up in the church, you don't necessarily think about that. Um, and it also is very important about understanding the intentionality around asking those questions and making sure that it's clear. So, yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, that was somewhere around 11, 12 years old. Nice. And it sounds like mom and dad were very inspirational. What, what were some of the early lessons that you, uh, remember getting from them growing up? Well, uh, so, um, my dad, 
started me uh, with summer jobs starting in right. the fourth grade. And in the business, in, in the family business. And yeah. I don't know if that was intentional and in just trying to go ahead and like groom uh, his kids, um, to understand what does it take to run a business right. or whether it was just cause the business was growing so fast that, uh, he needed somebody to keep the bathrooms clean. <laughs> um, but, right, um, right. but yeah, starting, starting out in the fourth grade, I started working every summer wow, and my great. first, uh, my first job was, uh, literally cleaning toilets. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, so as you think about Nothing like starting at the bottom, well, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, when you're that age, you don't really, you know, you don't have to things like being humble and things like that, those come naturally for, uh, right, for kids. You right. don't have uh, any kind of uh, delusions of grandeur that you yeah. shouldn't be cleaning toilets. But, um, <laughs> but I, and the other thing too is what's appropriate and what can you do at certain ages. And, uh, but so my parents' company, it grew uh, 40% per year. Wow. Um, for I think 15 years and every, that, and that means that every two years it doubled in size yeah. and, yeah. uh, and ultimately, um, after 20 years, they were like 350 full-time staff wow. and they were the largest privately owned laboratory in the United States. And over that 20 years, um, I spent, uh, um, you know, almost every summer, uh, starting in the fourth grade, working in some part of that business. <laughs> and as I grew up and as I got older and could take on, uh, different levels of responsibility, um, I was worked into, uh, um, different areas to learn different parts of it. And, and I, I remember the first like major promotion that I got from cleaning toilets was to running a floor buffer, um, uh, <laughs> which, uh, um, I think that started maybe somewhere around in uh, sixth or seventh grade, right. uh, but then working into uh, ultimately uh, the field crew and going out and drilling wells and installing uh, monitoring uh, wells and and then getting into running instruments and and actually uh, um, running samples on some uh, um, very expensive and and uh, very precise and technical uh, yeah. um, machines. Um, to getting involved in consulting work, um, and uh, and ultimately to um, the only deviation I had in working in the family business over the summers was uh, one summer, um, and I don't know if my my father and my uncle had some kind of like um, cruel Cocked. cruel joke or something <laughs> going on, but my uh, my uncle is a cotton ginner in Alabama, and I got shipped off to Alabama my junior year of high school and spent a half a summer, uh, wow. bag, bagging cotton seed on a, um, on a, uh, um, an assembly line type thing. And you want to talk about hard work <laughs> Boy, <I can laughs> that, imagine. Uh, and yeah. hot work as well. I, I yeah. I, and looking at that, I always knew that I was going to be going to college, but, um, right, it, it right. wasn't until that experience that I knew why. So, well, but, I gave you good appreciation too, right. For hard oh, labor. Yeah, those oh, yeah absolutely. Well, and, well and, did you have much time for school? God, it sounds like you were pretty busy on the job, right? <laughs> yeah. From the beginning. Were you a good student, George? Yeah, I, I would not. I was not a bad student, but I was <laughs> definitely, I was not, uh, um, the, the shining example. Um, I was, uh, um, I got involved in sports, um, and, uh, yeah. my what kind of sports, what sports were you playing? Uh, early on as, uh, as a youngster, soccer was a big mm -hmm. uh, sport, mm -hmm. but, um, uh, but, uh, but my, um, skills kind of peaked in maybe about the fifth grade. And, uh, <laughs> but then I, uh, I, uh, it really enjoyed playing football. Um, started doing that in middle school, 
Um, and, uh, I was at a small private school. And so right. you were somebody that was five, 10 playing left guard was, uh, not <laughs> uncommon. Um, but yeah, I also, yeah. uh, was, uh, so I was left guard, the inside linebacker and the kicker. <laughs> so, nice. Uh, nice. Well, the kicking comes in handy, obviously from the soccer. So that makes you, sense. you got it. So what all, about other extracurriculars, uh, music, theater, was there anything else you got involved with debates, public speaking? That was pretty much it. And, yeah. um, you know, that was, uh, that was full time football in the fall, soccer in the spring and, right. and, uh, and, and working and in the summer <laughs> school and then working in the summer. Yeah. yeah. And what uh, about other inspirational folks? You know, do you remember any specific teachers or coaches that you had, George, and lessons you might've learned from them? Oh man. Uh, you know, as far as, um, the, the coaches that I had, I think some of the biggest takeaways from, uh, um, from sports were understanding how valuable uh, um, practice and coaching mm. and uh, and understanding that skills were definitely important and they take you a long way. Um, but um, but seeing that we might have inferior skills, but better coaching and better uh, um, commitment that right. allows us to actually uh, um, be the better team when it was all said mm. and done. Um, th that was kind of a real eye opener for me. Uh, um, growing up as well. Yeah. As, as far as uh, teachers, I, you know, one of the things, my background is engineering. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember a, um, a middle school teacher who at the time was um, not necessarily my favorite teacher. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> we don't um, need to mention any names. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but what she ingrained in me in terms of the importance of writing and communication and being able to mm -hmm. write coherently um, is something so that, yeah, is in you, um, you see a lack of that in such a big way today. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's so important and, uh, and it's something that people can do, but it really takes a lot of hard work and effort. Right. So, um, but, um, but yeah, it's not necessarily probably where you think I'd go from a, a technical background and engineering yeah, background, well. but, but it's what about important. entrepreneurial things? Were you involved in much? Did you have much time for that? Given your busy, you know, schedule with school and so forth. Did you have the ubiquitous paper route or, you know, selling lemonade or doing those types of things growing up? You know, it was, um, between, uh, the full-time, uh, school and sports and then yeah. immediately into the summers going into the family business. Um, it was more of a, yeah, focused yeah. effort. Yeah. The only other yeah. thing I would say that I also have some really kind of strong and endearing memories, um, was an intentional, um, family devotion mm. that, uh, that my dad led. We, um, we had a program, I think it's called the daily walk. And, yeah. uh, this is a uh, family program or this is from the business. No, this is, uh, this was just a, 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 an annual calendar mm -hmm. devotion that was focused on reading through the entire Bible. Wow. And, and cool. I remember as a family, we did that at least twice. And, uh, and, you know, so having some kind of comprehensive knowledge of the Bible and, and, uh, yeah. all the amazing stories that are coming out of that. Um, I also, I, I do Was that remember, a daily practice for you then too, or, or it was a daily, a daily practice. That right. is correct. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And there, there are times when it was uh, very exciting, and there were times when you're going through um, a chronological <laughs> list of names <laughs> that you're just like, "Why are we doing this?" Yeah. So, but right, uh, right. but no, it was uh, um, you know those are definitely some early memories. That's that, great. And how yeah. old were you when you started your daily devotion? 
Oh man. Single that's digits. A, that's a good question. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I would say single digits. And that, yeah. that's also another unique thing. I know we're all, um, we're all different and there's uh, um, a lot of beauty in that uh, as we come together as the body of Christ. Mm. But one of the things that, um, that I do not have is a great memory. <laughs> mm. And, uh, and I think that there's a, there's pros and cons to that. One of the pros is I think part of that is I don't carry a lot of stress. Um, and, nice. uh, and, and I'm able to move past conflict and not have, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't carry grudges and things like that. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, that might be just cause I can't remember them. <laughs> so, <laughs> we so. share that George. And yeah. I, I don't know if it's comes with age yeah. or, you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing. Maybe it's a gift from God because I think as well, it's, it's hard to really carry resentments, right? So you got if you're it. able to let those things go. So you yeah, got I, it. I, I, I'll consider it a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so mom and dad obviously sounds like they both got their degrees was it kind of a foregone conclusion that you'd also go to college yes and yeah. uh um yeah i don't know that there was ever and also the school that i went to uh, um a small private school essentially 100 percent uh um, college attendance mm-hmm. um and uh and i do remember early on we started looking at colleges um my dad i, I mentioned my mother and father both from the south my mother's from mississippi and my dad's from uh, uh florida and so growing up in south carolina i didn't really have any allegiance to in state schools right, right. um and honestly i was really kind of looking towards the states where my parents were from until we started looking at the logistics of getting to mm-hmm. and from those and getting home and and uh it was at that point when we were doing some like college tours and things like that that mm-hmm. um really kind of honed in that uh the best option for me was clemson and okay. uh oh, and cool. there were two two things that were driving that one was uh, uh my parents had um uh, um one i was basically I'd, we kind of had a heart to heart with uh, with my dad about um, if you want to come back into the family business, you need to go to uh, school and get a degree in chemical mm-hmm. engineering. And, uh, and then we welcome you back to have a shot at, at running the family business. And, mm-hmm. and so it was, it was finding a school that offered a solid chemical engineering program. Right. Right. And, uh, um, and as I started doing the tours and looking at different schools and, um, the other thing that was a factor was, uh, I was extremely fortunate. My parents set up a, a college fund. Nice. Um, that would allow me to basically go to any school that I wanted to. Uh, well, your sister as well? Did she also go to yeah, college? Yes, yeah, sir. For both of so, you. Yeah, and, uh, and so as I was looking at uh, this college fund and I was looking at tuition and I was looking at how you compare, <laughs> yeah, and looking at engineering programs and how they're ranked and rated, Clemson was uh, one of the top 20 in the, in yeah, the country. Sure. Um, but being in state, the tuition was like half or a third. And, and wow. so I, I early on asked the question, if I don't spend all this money, what happens to it? And uh, <laughs> the, fee- the feedback was that, you know, you can maybe put it towards your first home purchase or something. There and uh, and yeah. so, yeah, so it became a no brainer. And uh, I went off to, uh, went off to Clemson and, um, awesome. yeah. um, and, uh, yeah, and then did it, you work for dad during the summers? I did not. Um, And so when I got to Clemson and I got into the Kimmy program there, uh, it was um, like somebody throwing a bucket of ice water on me in terms of, um, (laughs) I don't know that I'd ever worked that hard before uh, with, uh, with school. And, um, and when I got into school, 
one of the things that I, I plugged into early on was uh, um, a program called the Cooperative Education Program. Mm. And uh, and for those that aren't familiar with that, uh, and I th- I'm pretty sure every major university has these, but, uh, but Clemson had a program where you would interview with businesses and industry that was um, aligned and looking for people that were going to be coming with degrees that you were studying for. Oh, and so, um, so I literally went through this program where Clemson would bring in uh, um, big corporations that were interested in engineering graduates. And I went through interview processes, learned how to put together a resume. They had all this set up for you to do. And I ended up uh, um, uh, immediately kind of jumping into that. And I went, um, I was essentially either studying or co-oping for the next five and a half years. Oh, that's Um, great. And yeah. so go and to d- school. D- during, during school as well. So it was uh, a school program as well as a summer program? No, the way it would work is you'd go to school for a semester and then okay. you would go work for a semester. Oh, nice. And, then, and huh. so, so the way that would work is you might go to school in the fall and then you'd yeah. go work in the spring and you'd come back to school in the summer. Yeah. And then, uh, and then mm. it would just kind of rotate. And so I co-opted uh, three times with a, um, a big German in, um, chemical company called BASF. Oh sure, and, the same uh, one all three times. Uh, yes, and um, and then I had a fourth co-op um, that was actually with my parents' company um, mm-hmm. at the very end, uh, but after some significant changes had happened uh, right. as far as what the family business focus was. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, we'll get to um, that in a few minutes because yeah, yeah. I know you went through a pretty major change at that stage. Well, that's great. So, was the uh, BASF uh, direction something that Dad had encouraged as well? Did he? Uh, want you to take a look at something outside the family business to get that type of experience? Or was that kind of more self-motivated to determine whether or not you were going to go into the company business? Uh, you know, honestly, um, I mean, that was certainly something that he was supportive of. But right. uh, but my um, plugging into the cooperative education program was probably more focused on how I was going to survive uh, um, the chemical engineering curriculum oh, right. at Clemson. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah. I, I embraced the ability to actually um, get out and have a break break, um, and, and go get hands on, um, and, uh, and, and sought that out and, yeah. and saw that as, and, and the other thing too, is it, uh, um, it was also promoted that you go through this, things like your starting salary increased right. by 15%. Right. So there are a lot of pros to it yeah. as well, but it does prolong your, uh, your time while you're in school. Yeah. But I, I would highly recommend it. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. That's fantastic. Did you have any um, leadership or management responsibilities during those co-ops? In other words, were you, you know, developing people and responsible for that? Or was it more of a rotational type of assignment? And this was, um, this, uh, this experience, pretty much the reason I chose BASF was because they were one of the top tier organizations mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that was offering um, when I was looking. And, uh, but the role that I was in, I think was actually really unique in terms Mm. of, um, what people would plug into because I was actually in a sales role and I, and I was placed, um, uh, remotely, uh, in, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, Mm. um, based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And there were no other BASF employees in Jacksonville. <laughs> and so it was really quite a bit of, uh, and, and essentially what I was doing, I was in the paper and fiber division of chemical right, right. sales. Yeah. And I was calling on uh, um, kind of a cluster of mills that were in that area looking yeah. to uh, promote and, uh, and support 
um, uh, BASF products and nice. supporting a sales rep that they had that had, I didn't have responsibility for that region. I was supporting right. somebody else, right. uh, but it right. was a real eye opener in terms of imagine. just being completely independent and uh, having very limited supervision. Uh, and also, you know, when you cold call walking into a, um, a place, <laughs> where, you know, the power that bringing a box of donuts has and, and, uh, and, <laughs> right. and just Some being able, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, how do you get to know people? And cause you know, people don't like change. And a lot of times sure. you're coming in with a new product. Those are, um, not necessarily welcome conversations. Right. Right. So, um, but yeah, so it, it was a great experience from, a. um, uh, from a technical experience and also from a people experience, mm. uh, but uh, but maybe a little bit unique in terms of I wasn't in an office or at a plant sure. and uh, um, and closely working with other employees in right. the same right. category. Do you remember the first time you started managing people, George? Yeah. Um, so uh, so that actually is uh, um, transitioning into uh, the role that I'm currently in. Got it. All right. Well, so let's back up a bit. I, I want to hear a little bit about that because mom and dad kind of had a little bit of a surprise for you when you graduated from college, from what I understand. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I started college in, uh, in 1995. And um, when you're doing the cooperative education program, your, uh, your, your time gets extended. And you're so, extending it, right. So it's right. close to 2000 by the time you got right. Yeah. And, uh, but to back up before 2000, um, and the fall of 1998, uh, there was a big uh, hurricane called Hurricane Mitch that hit Honduras. Oh, and right. uh, um, and um, our family had a missionary that we had been supporting in Honduras mm. for a long, long time. And this missionary, prior to being a missionary in Honduras, was actually my former Sunday school teacher. Oh, and so gosh. it's just some oh. really kind of neat connections. Yeah. Um, and so when the hurricane hit, uh, there were some really... Um, uh, um, close kind of connections that we had um, where my dad uh, um, speaks to really feeling God put a burden on his heart mm. that, that needed to do something about it. And that ultimately transitioned into a relief effort um, to go help with drinking water in, um, mm. uh, in Honduras in response to Hurricane Mitch. And this was, uh, in, again, in the fall of 1998. Right. And uh, um, I was very much aware of that relief effort. I was in Clemson uh, um, uh, at the time when that was happening. Um, but uh, but I, um, coming out of that relief effort, um, uh, the impact that, that it had on my parents was um, pretty profound to where they felt that God was um, calling them into a different direction. Mm. And um, ultimately, they felt that God was calling them to sell the business that they had built uh, and uh, start a Christian ministry that was focused on uh, water and sanitation needs uh, mm. in the in the developing world and also in disaster relief. And uh, I remember my birthday in October, in, I think it was in the year 2000, uh, that my parents came up to school and we sat down and, and had just a conversation around um, what my thoughts were on that. Um, and it was the first time that they had kind of uh, told me where they had felt that uh, yeah. that God was leading and calling them, um, but at the same time they'd also, you know, they knew uh, that I was coming out of college uh, um, to come back into the family business, and uh, and how did I feel about that? And yeah, was that a big shock for you? It, you know, um, looking back on it, 
uh, it seems like it it might have been a bigger one or it should have yeah. been a bigger one but honestly it almost felt more like a um I don't know if I'd say a relief but uh mm. um and and not necessarily from a, a pressure standpoint but more from uh um maybe just the excitement of the yeah. the new opportunity because in that uh um as that conversation progressed the comment was that um w- would you have an interest in joining us uh um as we uh, continue down this path yeah. and uh and that was um so i had had uh, um as i as i spent the rest of my wrapping up my um my degree um, really uh, um, seeking God's uh, will and guidance for you know where is He wanting me in my life, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and uh, um, really feeling that I was being called and led into into that as well. And I had had uh, I had several offers uh, on the table to go sure. into um, the corporate world, um, one with uh, with BASF, um, but uh, but when when it was all said and done. Uh, um, I uh, felt the guy was leading me this direction and awesome. coming straight out of school, I ended up joining, uh, um, water mission and my parents, mom, mom um, and dad had sold the business, right? By had, the time you graduated, they had sold the business yeah. and they, uh, started water mission as a, officially as a, as a yeah. Christian ministry, as a nonprofit wow. organization. And, yeah. uh, and so that officially happened, uh, um, in July of 2001, I believe. And, uh, my parents actually started as volunteers. Um, and, uh, and so they, and to, to and today still are full-time volunteers. Um, they used proceeds from the sale of their business to help start water mission and still are considered uh, major donors to the ministry today. So, so you were employer employee number one. I was one of two, uh, employees no. that started on day one. And how and many employees today? Today, uh, we're pushing probably about 500. Wow. That's and, fabulous. Uh, and, and that was about 15, 16, 18 years ago, I guess, huh? Going on, uh, yes, 18, 19 yeah. years. Yeah. So so your question about when did I start managing people was <laughs> um, was actually... Uh, um, Day one there. <laughs> well, well, no, we didn't. So I didn't have any direct reports or anything like sure. that. But what was interesting was in the early days... You know, our all of our experience, um, as far as our family business experience, was coming from the for-profit world, and uh, you know, getting into a nonprofit and yeah, how yeah. nonprofits run, and how do you raise support, and how do you? I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. Steep learning curve. Well, and huh? even like I remember, uh, I was at church one Sunday, and and um, I was talking to somebody at church that was retired that said, you know, I, uh, it's really cool what you guys are doing. If you ever have any uh, need you know, I'd, uh, I'd be happy to come out and help volunteer. Mm. And it had never even dawned on me that we, maybe we should be recruiting volunteers. <laughs> and, <Right>. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, some, some of the early on my management was, um, uh, um, with volunteers and, volunteers, uh, and yeah. guiding volunteers, which in and of itself can be a very delicate thing. Yes. Um, a very important lesson too, because <laughs> yes. you can't motivate people and not paying them. You're probably going to have a hard time doing it any other way too. <laughs> yes. But, and, and also a very unique workforce because you might, you might have them doing very basic tasks, um, like sweeping the floor or, uh, or right, emptying right. trash cans when they're retired urologists or attorneys or something like <laughs> right, that. And, right, uh, right. And, and they might have, you know, coming from a professional background. So, um, but yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's interesting too. So water mission, uh, in the early days we had, 
um, uh, kind of a struggle for uh, understanding what we were really being called to do and how we should exist as an organization. Mm. And uh, and when we first got started, we really thought what we were going to be able to bring in terms of value was a real heavy technical focus um, with the idea of designing and implementing uh, um, products um, in areas where we, where we would see um, projects that would fail because maybe they weren't designed appropriately or yeah. maybe it wasn't high quality equipment or it wasn't uh, the right uh, product for the application. Mm-hmm, um, but mm-hmm. what we quickly found out and realized was that, um, that uh, um, just products alone uh, um, are not the only need and, and uh, there have to be comprehensive programs and plans put in around you know, how things are going to be run and maintained. And so there was this just huge learning curve on the, in the early days about um, uh, um, how much further in depth we really need to be thinking and building out uh, systems and processes for right. being able to be successful. Um, yeah. And even also with that, you know, how do we raise support? I remember uh, in the early days as a Christian ministry, we had a, um, we had an amazing opportunity with, uh, um, a, one of these, um, uh, um, tech companies, uh, and, and in the early 2000, you know, you had a huge boom, um, in, uh, in, in internet, uh, kind of services and things like that. Um, and, and one of the, and one of the tech companies that is still a big brand name today, um, we had some really amazing conversations that were going on mm. around support of the work that we do. And they were super excited. Their, um, the uh, president of their company had come out and spent time with us. And I remember we were thinking, how, are, how in the world are we having a conversation <laughs> with this group? Uh, you know, we're nobody. Um, but it was happening. And, yeah. uh, and they, um, they went back to California and said, we need to sit down with our board and talk about this. Mm. And, and, uh, and then we'll get back to you. And, um, and they did that and they came back and, um, and, uh, and the conversation that happened was, um, you guys, uh, um, you've got a really great thing that's going on and we're excited and we want to partner with you, but just mm. to be very direct, you need to separate the water component of what you do from a Christian ministry. Oh, wow. And, uh, and what had happened was on their board, um, they had, uh, people from different faiths and different, right. uh, backgrounds right. that, uh, um, that did not embrace, uh, um, the mm. Christian ministry component of who we are. And the feedback was, if we're going to partner with somebody, um, they can't be that a Christian ministry. ministry. Oh, wow. And, uh, and the interesting thing for us from, a um, uh, timing wise, um, we were, really struggling. And I didn't necessarily know the full picture, but we were close to having to shut our doors Mm. uh, as a ministry and as an organization when this came back. And it was a real test Mm. uh, around uh, um, looking back on it. Commitment. Right. And uh, and coming out of that uh, test, um, uh, um, what we did was we kind of we went the opposite direction. We doubled down on who we are mm. as a Christian ministry. We um, we actually implemented a daily uh, um, devotion for all staff that um, that starts at the beginning of the day with the idea that we're going to really make sure we regroup and, and ground everybody in purpose for why we're here, um, which is as a Christian ministry. And that uh, the way that we're going to make sure we stay focused on that is we're going to start every day. Um, in mm. doing that, so we spent. How did that? How did the tech company take the thanks but no thanks message? 
Uh, it, it wasn't, uh, um, I mean, it was a, you know, well, we understand, uh, but, um, you know, it, it, we can't partner with you. Yeah, um, yeah. and, uh, the it amazing, the amazing thing that came out of that was right after that happened, um, this was 2003 time period. Um, we got a government grant that just kind of came out of the blue, mm. um, that, uh, was the biggest grant we'd had. It, um, it actually allowed us to bring in inventory to pre-position for some projects that we were going to do in Honduras. And after we had all this inventory in our warehouse, uh, um, the, um, Southeast Asia tsunami hit. Mm. And, uh, um, Back we were 2006. A, yeah. well, that, that was actually 2004, oh, four, Dece- right. December. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we had kind of been building credibility during this, mm. uh, during this time. And when that, uh, when the tsunami hit, we had all kinds of groups, uh, reaching out to us, asking for support. And we had, uh, resources just pour in to be able to meet mm. that need. And we had, because of this other grant that we had, we had all this equipment that was sitting in our warehouse and we had the ability to respond immediately. Awesome. And, and it was just, uh, um, kind of, you know, as you look back and you see God's fingerprints on, yeah. um, on your story, uh, and kind of where you see, um, what you think your plans are <laughs> and then yeah. what, what ultimately what God's plans are and, and what he has in store. Um, we, de- we touched a little bit. Yeah, it's awesome. We touched a little bit early on, um, about the cultural shift your company went through. And I'd mentioned that I just, uh, this last week listened to your video, um, or rather heard a video of your presentation at the C12 national conference, which took place a month or so back in, uh, in Atlanta. And I was so impressed by the kind of cultural analysis that you did and kind of the cultural shift that went through. Give us a little bit of a thumbnail sketch of that because it sounded like it was a a pretty difficult process, but one in which you've come out with, again, an even bolder culture and and a stronger commitment to to your faith. Yeah. um, So, you know, as you grow as an organization, you um, uh, uh, and you start from nothing, uh, over time, and, you, and you'd already asked, we were, we started out with two full time employees yeah. and and uh, two full time volunteers, um, and today we're 500 full time staff globally, and uh, um, we've probably got somewhere around 400 active volunteers on an annual basis That's as well. Um, yeah. you, you know, as you grow up and as an organization, you start you have to start putting systems and processes in place and things like that, and and. Uh, um, and, and also, I think last year we had 60% growth. The year before that, we had 40%. In the mm. prior five years, we averaged 20% growth. And it was somewhere in those uh, prior five years um, where, you know, 20% growth, that's, that's pretty significant. It's doubling in five years. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and, and um, we had, uh, um, we were just kind of, um, um, piecing things together. And we hadn't had a really intentional uh, focus on um, how the organization was being built from the ground up right. um, with um, things like performance reviews and and uh, and getting the right uh, um, processes and procedures mm-hmm. in place mm-hmm. from anything from like procurement to um, you know standards for engineering projects and things like that. Just because you know you're figuring you're figuring this out as you go, um, and uh, 
And I, so in my, uh, my C12 talk, I remember, um, uh, after we had gotten into this journey a little bit, um, there was a great video, uh, and talk by a fellow named Henry cloud that, um, that emphasizes, uh, kind of that there are three, um, three kind of character, uh, um, traits for Christians, um, from a biblical perspective mm-hmm. that, uh, that you're going to find. And, and, and the Bible doesn't beat around the bush with this. It basically says people fall into the category of being either wise fools or evil. And, right. Right. and so when you, and, and Dr. Cloud's, uh, message is a really great kind of unpacking of that. Um, but it, it ultimately, um, as you think about those three categories, if you're not intentional about building out a healthy culture within your organization, that you're gonna um, you're gonna accumulate people in all three of those categories over time, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and uh, and the people in that last category as evil are people that are um, uh, intentionally trying to inflict pain, right. prepare to uh, do damage, yeah. and and it's just you know it's kind of it's it's kind of crazy to think about that, but it's reality. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. uh, and so, um, the other, the other thing that I thought was kind of helpful in terms of how do you think about this is, you know, if you think about those three categories, wise fools and evil, and if you have a team of 10 people and, and the, and the job for those 10 people is to row a boat, um, mm-hmm. that, uh, the, the breakout, um, where you have people falling in all those categories. And this is kind of, this was water missions breakout was that you might have six people that are actually trying to row the boat in, mm-hmm. in unison. You've got, uh, um, three people, uh, that, um, are, um, are actively trying to sink the boat. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then you've got, uh, two people that are just looking for a place where nobody will notice that they're sleeping. Mm. And, uh, and, and so, you know, you think about this, it's just, if it's just such a wake up call on how important it is to be intentional about building out, uh, um, the culture that you want, right. as opposed to letting it just happen, right. um, uh, on its own. And so we, yeah, we went down this path and the first thing that we did was we needed a benchmark for, um, what the overall health was of the ministry. And we went to a, bl- a place called best Christian workplaces, mm-hmm. um, that offers a, uh, an anonymous survey that goes out to your employees. And in that, um, it measures, uh, the overall health and status of your organization, looking right. at kind of eight different key areas within the ministry and providing you specific feedback on anything from uh, teamwork uh, to uh, talent, to compensation, um, to communication um, and other areas as well. And uh, and then we were uh, um, extremely fortunate to form a relationship with a um, foundation called LifeShape. And mm-hmm. Life, Life Shape is one of the Kathy family foundations, and that's uh, the uh, Chick-fil-A family, Kathy. Right. Uh, that um, Life Shape takes kind of Chick-fil-A's business training and leadership development principles and looks to make those available to other Christian ministries. And they do work with for-profit companies as well. Um, but they have really come alongside us in the last two years and kind of held our hand mm-hmm. with um, with getting a lot of things in place that uh, um, are necessary for uh, um, really making sure that we build a healthy culture and that uh, we're growing leaders and that we're um, investing in our staff in a way that allows us to um, 
to see Water Mission thrive as a ministry, which ultimately facilitates the accomplishment of our mission and vision in the best way possible. Yeah. Well, what are some of the results you've seen from that, that cultural transformation and the investments you've made there? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's all over the place in mm. terms of um, kind of how it, uh, um, um, how it's played out. Um, but, um, you know, some of the things that it forced us to do, one of the big things was uh, um, we had an intentional focus on what are our values. And right. uh, when we, um, when we started the, um, the, the process, um, we had eight values and there probably wasn't a single person in the organization that could easily list them all. And, uh, um, and so we, um, uh, we, we looked at our values and we consolidated them uh, into uh, something that was manageable and something that everybody could uh, understand and embrace. Um, and, uh, and our focus today with our values is uh, that um, they're uh, of love, excellence, and integrity. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's something, those are some, and we can unpack those in, in very in-depth and intentional ways, but it's also something that re- just resonates for kind of who we are as a Christian ministry. Um, that's, uh, an engineering ministry. When we talk about those three words, uh, um, uh, they, uh, hit, uh, set in, uh, with all those. Um, we also, um, as an organization, uh, had, had some, had real problems, articulating and setting, uh, tangible goals. Mm. And, uh, and the reason for that is because, um, we do disaster relief. Um, we also, uh, um, one of the biggest, uh, and so with, with disaster relief, we set out on an annual basis and we develop an operating plan for that year and that operating plan, you can't predict disasters. And so, uh, while we set out with all these plans that we're going to focus on, um, when something like the 2010 Haiti earthquake happens and, uh, um, within a month and a half, um, we sent 150 water treatment systems, each system that could provide water for up to 5,000 people into Haiti to respond to that disaster. Mm. You know, we had other things that we were planning on doing (laughs) if that disaster hadn't happened. And so, you know, so as we think about, you know, how do you respond to these things? How do you build? Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing that's been a huge, huge, um, maybe kind of forcing us to live in faith constantly, it feels like, is that um, with all those uh, numbers that I gave you on growth and, uh, and where we've grown over the years, uh, um, the other interesting, if you were to look at our, our income, we forecast our income as a part of the operating plan. Um, at the end of the year, uh, um, 40% or more of our income that comes in is coming from sources that weren't what we forecasted. Hmm. Uh, well, no, <laughs> I don't know about that. Cause that, 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 <laughs> well, it that, can be right. If it's, that, if it's unfound, <laughs> that, that, that brings up the question, well, you know, what are your forecasting processes right, and how right. realistic are they? But yeah. then at the same time, you know, God's continuing to open doors. <laughs> Provide for just, you in other ways you couldn't have expected. But yeah. they're also maybe in going into a different direction. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, so, so tying in and bringing in uh, um, goal setting, we've also seen some employee engagement things where we actually have a staff-owned culture committee that um, focuses mm. on um, you know how to breathe life into the organization in a healthy way, and so like some of the things that we have are um, 
We actually have uh, health-related challenges where we're encouraging people to set stretch goals and exercise mm. and things like that. Um, and uh, and also uh, um, when we think about people's health, um, you know, one of those uh, one of the categories is spiritual health. And so right. we, even having like a stretch goal for you know what does your um, devotion life look like? Mm. Uh, all of our staff are um, professing believers and um, have expressed a sense of calling to the work that Water Mission does. Mm. And so, uh, um, which, you know, when you look back at that, you know, we, that Christian ministries experience conflict um, and, and even maybe more so um, because we're a Christian ministry right. and, and because we can, uh, um, we have to be very much aware of the potential for spiritual warfare. Yeah, yeah. Well, George, you've been very generous with your time, but I do have a couple more questions I want to ask before we wrap up because we've been, you know, hitting on the people and it's it's really terrific that you've got, you know, that commitment to the faith that you have among all your staff. What, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest and hire? Yeah, um, you know, over the years, we have uh, developed a very intentional recruiting uh, um, uh, program. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of that uh, starts with the um, with an that we have an application process that uh, anyone that's interested in is can just go and look at on our website. Um, but uh, but some of the first things that we start out with are um, uh, um, uh, um, making sure that people have read our statement of faith and who we are mm. a, as a ministry, and then. Uh, um, making sure that they agree with that. And, and I say intentional over the years because we've, I can't tell you how many people have checked that they agree with our statement of faith as a part of the application process and they don't have any idea what they just read. <laughs> and, and so um, really kind of building that out and, uh, and some of the questions that we have uh, um, around people, you know, speaking to what, is, what does this mean from uh, how they walk out their faith in their right. lives. Right. Um, and uh, um, kind of ask the question a couple of different ways, right? So we yeah, and, and, sure they know and that, that's about. done in an initial screening process, right. but right. then it's also, of course, done in person as well. Because um, yeah. it's not just about job skills. This is this is definitely a calling and it's a ministry and we're looking for uh, 100% alignment from a faith right. perspective uh, um, yeah. to be able to be a candidate. Um, and... Uh, and then uh, there's also a huge focus on culture fit. And, mm. and so as you think about um, culture fit, you know, thinking about somebody that has a growth mindset, um, when you think about a disaster relief organization, well, we have a lot of stuff that changes pretty rapidly around here. Right. And as right. a part of kind of screening candidates, you know, there's an evaluation in things like a disc profile and things like right. that, that's looking at, you know, how well do you embrace change? <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> because mm-hmm. if, uh, you know, that, that, if you're that, rigid, <laughs> that, that's don't a, apply yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and not only embrace change, but thrive in it. Yeah, you know, when yeah. you talk about uh, 40% growth, 60% growth, is that something that motivates you or is that something that makes you want to go crawl into a hole? Right. And, and right. Uh, it's not to say that, that one's right or wrong, um, but it is for right or wrong of whether you're a fit to work at Water Mission or not. So yeah, great. Last question, George. Um, you know, what career and life advice would you give to someone who's, you know, got their eyes on on getting into the C-suite or the corner office or or like you, you know, uh, being involved in starting a nonprofit and, and, you know, rising to the top of that organization? 
Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, you know, would you go back and and do it again? <laughs> I, you know, some days you do, and some days you don't. I'm sure, like anything. <laughs> this, the um, the journey that uh, that I've been fortunate to be on has been an amazing experience, mm. um, and uh, you know, with some of the highest highs and some of the lowest lows, and uh, um, it certainly has been worth it. Uh, how to guide somebody. I, I think, um, you know, the one thing that uh, when we first got started, we always got a lot of, um, you know, when you're new on the, in, in, in the area and on the playground that um, you don't know what you're talking about and you don't know what <laughs> you're doing. And, and I think um, the best advice for somebody that's looking at a startup or something like that is, you know, accept that, um, that there are definitely component pieces to that that are mm. probably true. Um, but don't let that dissuade you from, uh, um, pursuing what you feel God's calling you to go and do. Mm. Um, as far as leadership goes, um, you know, I think it's, it's different for everybody. And, uh, um, I think you've got to, one thing, you got to be really thick skinned. Hmm. And, uh, um, and so maybe that first comment I made about having a bad memory, <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you, you gotta, you can't let stuff, um, uh, um, hold you down or pull you down. Uh, right. You got to be able to bounce back and you, you got to be able to take tough news and, and deal with it and still be able to, um, be a promoter and, uh, and encourage, even though, um, it might not uh, feel like it at times. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, and then the other thing I think, you know, understand there's no job too small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll still go and clean a toilet every now and then, um, <laughs> take us full circle. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, part of that is, uh, if you're going to ultimately, if we're going to be serving people with water projects, yeah. you know, for the ministry to run, the trash cans have to be empty. The That's toilets right. have to be clean and somebody has got to do that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, a reminder of what it takes to actually do some of those things. And, you know, I'll take out the trash, I'll clean dishes in the kitchen, um, Part of it is, uh, um, I find it a little therapeutic, <laughs> there you go. but, uh, but yeah, no, no jobs too small and, and yeah. just be open to being, uh, being able to, and being open to doing whatever's needed. So, well, George Green, president and CEO for the water mission based in Charleston, South Carolina. Thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you, Brant. I hope this is uh, helpful for some folks and, uh, um, any additional questions or feedback, uh, people can check out our website and, and feel free to reach out to me. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 